0: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited to have you each and every Saturday for 11 years. And the man who put those sound bites together is here with us today, the great Steve Paulette. And it's just a beautiful thing watching him on Will Orm's first day running the board. It's like me teaching a young orthopedic surgeon. Dr. Clapper, why'd you put the retractor here? Because the sciatic nerve is there in this hip surgery we're doing. I don't see the sciatic nerve. And then I tell him, my professor, Dr. Ranawat, taught me one thing. The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. The nerve is right there. You may not be able to see it, but that's because you don't know anything. But what's living right behind that bone, where I carefully put that retractor to protect, is the sciatic nerve. It took me 16,000 surgeries, 33 years. But now I'm at the point where I was with Dr. Ranawat, where I see the nerve that other people don't see. I see the artery that other people don't see. That sixth sense you get, I don't care what you do for a living. Whether you're Steve Palette or Will Orms, time gives you, A sixth sense, and it's the coolest thing. Forget all these anti-aging clinics. I want to get older. Because when you get older, you get better at life. And one of the great things about this journey in life is storytelling, which is what I do for two hours with you every Saturday. And I love sports, and I love art, and I love surgery. About a month ago, I read an article It was the 30th anniversary of Michigan playing Ohio State. And in 1991, Desmond Howard, a wide receiver from Michigan, was a hopeful for the Heisman Trophy. He didn't win it yet. He ultimately did win it. But he didn't win it yet. And he's playing his rival, Ohio State, as a Michigan wide receiver. He's on the 10-yard line. I remember this play like it happened yesterday. Ohio State kicker kicks the ball to him. And Desmond Howard blows everyone's mind because he's the fastest guy on the field. He's also the most clever guy on the field and the most talented. He is the Heisman Trophy. He is the best football player in college football in 1991. But you're about to see why. Because he takes that punt from the 10-yard line and runs it 90 yards into the end zone for a touchdown. And when he gets into the end zone, he mimics the position of the Heisman Trophy. With that football helmet, holding the football in one hand, standing on one leg with your arm out to the side. Like the Heisman pose. And he does it. And Keith Jackson goes crazy the announcer. Heather Dinich wrote an article last month taking us back to that play the 30th anniversary okay no big deal I read a lot of ESPN articles by a lot of people but this article blew me away because what she cleverly did was she begins the article with Desmond Howard on the 10-yard line about to catch the ball, and then writes with interviews from Desmond Howard and the other team members recalling that moment. And then you finish reading those few paragraphs, and guess what happens? The video moves another 10 yards as he starts running down the field with more interviews now, pausing The dynamic movement of Desmond Howard running down the field. She perfectly timed the anecdotes from the players on the field with the video footage. I'd never seen that before. And at that moment, I said, this woman has beautifully combined sports and art, which is what I love to do. I got to talk to her. So at 8.15, she's coming on. But it made me think all week. Where do you see that in art and in sports? Well, it's Bonnie Raitt for me. Bonnie Raitt is emblematic. She's the Heather Dinich. She's the awesome woman storyteller who you, you don't even think. You don't want to patronize anybody. You don't think about the fact that she's a woman. She's just the best at it, and that's the way it should be. But when Bonnie Raitt is asked, hey, all your idols were men, but you actually are the trailblazer as a woman. What do you think of that? And Bonnie Raitt goes, I don't think of it that way. Listen to this interview.
1: All the artists you just mentioned, Muddy Waters, John Hammond, uh, Fred McDowell, Son House, they all have a lot in common, but there's also one thing they have in common is that they're all men. Did you, have mm-hmm. any, did you have any idea how groundbreaking it was that you were playing this instrument in such a public way w- when you started?
2: You know, when it would get mentioned in reviews or interviews, uh, but other than that, I didn't think about it. You know, you just like certain kinds of music. I didn't think about whether I was black or white or a female or a male. It just I just liked the sound, so I was just playing for myself with no, indi- no feeling about going into it for a line of work. She's humble, soft-spoken, and awesome. And it wasn't until I got reviewed or people said, you know, this is really unusual.
1: Now, how did you feel when they said that to you?
2: Oh, well, it was its fascinating. But, yeah. you know, it's probably as interesting as finding out why somebody that was the daughter of a Broadway singer from L.A. fell in love with country blues. It's just, you know, it, like John Lee said, it's because it's in you and it's got to come out.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about Ramblin' Jack. Uh, Elliot once said, um, it doesn't matter where you come from, it only matters where you're going.
2: Exactly.
1: Which I always liked as well.
2: Exactly. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Where's, uh, well said. Where's Where's Angel from Montgomery for you?
2: A, an honor and a treat every night. I sing it different. I, I make it on purpose that it's going to be different. And I watch my dad do performances eight shows a week of Pajama Game or Carousel, and every night was every show was different. And mm-hmm. I, I watch people I really admire and make breathe new life into these songs every night. So I, I, it seemed like a natural thing to do to just accept that you're going to make it new every night.
1: She's just deflecting it. Given that your father was a star on Broadway, perhaps you, more than other people, understand the expectation of doing the same thing sometimes. Yeah. Because that's what he did.
2: And uh, if you asked him, did it feel like you're just doing it by rote and going through the motions? He never never phoned it in. No. So that was the greatest gift he gave me was make every night
0: opening night. She's the first woman that Fender Guitar says, we're going to make a signature guitar for you. The first thing that pops into her head is, okay, that's nice, but I'm going to give all the money away to charity. That's what an awesome person she is.
1: You were the first woman to get a signature Fender guitar line.
2: Yeah, and they offered it to me when I had some record sales in in the early 90s. And, uh, and I understood it would be a great role model thing, but I didn't want to hawk product, you know. And, and then I realized that I could raise a lot of money for charity if I did it. Right. So I, we paid for 200 clubs and under, under, underprivileged but disadvantaged communities in the inner cities to have free guitar lessons where there'd be 12 acoustic guitars in the Boys and Girls Clubs for kids to come after school. Mm-hmm. And it paid for teachers to come three times a week. So even though those kids don't know who I am, at least they have some access to musical instruments like we all did when we were growing up. We just never thought that the schools would stop having music programs.
1: But it was also Bonnie, I I, I it was also groundbreaking and, and and it was also groundbreaking to be did you did you recognize that that as the Oh first yeah, one that I thought it was lineup? really
2: great. But again I didn't I I thought it was great to donate the profits right. to the program. I wasn't really out there to to you know, I mean it was more like a, an honor than it was and an inspiration to other young women.
0: Bonnie Ray. you're an inspiration to all of us, but especially to all the young women. An awesome storyteller in the world of art, the world of music. An awesome storyteller in the world of sports. It's Heather Dinich, who we're going to talk to at 8.15. But prior to Heather Dinich, my favorite storyteller in sports was this woman, the great Mary Carillo. Listen to her talk about Venus Williams.
3: Since 1886, the Venus rosewater dish has been awarded to the ladies' champion at Wimbledon. It's made of sterling silver, and the ancient Greek concept it glorifies harkens back to classical mythology. That a true lady be sound of mind, prudence, the personification of temperance and moderation. It is everything that Venus Williams has always stood for, except when she plays tennis. Then she stands for this.
0: This is how Mary Carillo is connecting an awesome woman from Greek mythology, realizes the award is named the Venus Award for the champion women champion at Wimbledon, and takes us on this unbelievable artistic journey combining art and sports in this story of hers. And becomes bold,
3: daring, dramatic, prideful, willful, wonderful. Her game has brought Venus seven major singles titles, and five of them have come on the lawns of Wimbledon. The first time she raised the dish was 17 years ago. Her joy as evident as her great gifts. Wow. Three times she watched as her younger sister, a seven-time Wimbledon titleist, held it aloft after beating her in the championship match. Just as she was bested in the final of the season's first major.
0: So often in their magnificent careers, Venus has come in second. Listen to how she uses the words sparkle, silver and gold, and mentions that Venus Williams is named Venus, just like the trophy you get at Wimbledon.
3: But the defending Wimbledon champion will be missing from the All England club this year. Her 37 year old sister is very much back to her favorite tournament on her best surface for the 20th time. Can Venus sparkle one more time, like the prize that bears her name? She won't have to face her toughest opponents. And when you win at Wimbledon and raise this dish,
0: silver is pure gold. One of her best friends growing up, John McEnroe, Vetus Gerolitis, three kids from Queens, Douglas and Queens. I'm from Far Rockaway, which is Queens. But listen to storytelling personally from Mary Carrillo as a personal thing talking about Vetus Gerolitis.
4: We were, we were, I think it was in the Bronx. Um, I was handing out rackets with Mr. Gerolitis, with Vetus's dad and my sister, Gina. And, and one of the kids, you know, these kids didn't know anything about tennis. Vetus was bringing it to them. It was this big park experience. And one of the kids took a racket and took off with it, ran off. And I started running off after the kid and Vitas saw me chasing down this kid. And he said, no, no, this, let, let him go. Let him go. Uh, by the end of the the clinic, this kid had wandered back and he was on the court. And Vetus was showing him how to hit forehands. Mm. I mean, there are so many great stories about this guy. Um, and I mean, I'm I just feel very, very honored and blessed that I got to share the air with him. Wow. No, I mean, Vidas He he was as as we all keep saying, he was such a natural. He he lo- he had a very casual attitude um, uh, about television, and he was just he, you know he didn't try to. Put on airs. If there's anybody that John McEnroe has tried to copy, not that John needs to emulate anybody, but it was Vitas. He really enjoyed that Vitas made it kind of conversational and and kind of chummy and didn't act like he had all of a sudden become some great tennis professor. Um, I got to work with Vitas uh, at USA, at ESPN, at CBS. There was a there was a moment when I mean we were three kids from Queens when John Vitas and I are in the CBS broadcast lounge. And I finally said, I can't,
5: look at
0: this. <laughs> I think that's the greatest part, when you're just still awestruck about your own journey. Bonnie Raid is. Mary Carillo is. We all should be. And how blessed we are. And I just can't wait to talk to Heather Dinnich about her career, her journey, as such a great storyteller. Awesome an awesome woman in the world of sports. We'll get into it coming up next here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's a junior super deluxe. you got to be kidding me. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show
5: with Dr. Clapper. Ding, dang, dong. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
0: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited. To be joined right now by my guest, the great Heather Dinnage. Heather, thanks so much for making time for us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So, I remember about a month or so ago reading the article you wrote about Desmond Howard catching that ball on the 10-yard line for Michigan, thinking he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, but not certain yet, and how you timed the article to the video and I know you give a lot of credit to your staff but I have never read had never read an article put together like that before combining the art world and the sports world and it reminded me of this great sports writer an awesome storyteller who's a woman so I want you to listen to Mary Carrillo and hear what you think about the beginning of her story Since 1886, the Venus
3: Rosewater dish has been awarded to the ladies' champion at Wimbledon. It's made of sterling silver, and the ancient Greek concept it glorifies harkens back to classical mythology. That a true lady be sound of mind, prudence, the personification of temperance and moderation. It is everything that Venus Williams has always stood for,
0: except when she plays tennis. Then she stands for this. How do you like that? That's what you remind me of, Heather, Mary Kay.
6: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for that. That's great, <laughs> and those that just that's just wonderful. I'm blessing. You can't see, but I'm blessing. Thank you. <laughs> I
0: got another one for you because you are really, and I'm not here to to patronize you, but the fact that every one of those college football players you talk about. Every one of those damn coaches you got to deal with, they're men. There's no girls playing college football, but you have risen, and it reminds me of this woman. Listen to this interview
1: with Bonnie Raitt. All the artists you just mentioned, Muddy Waters, John Hammond, uh, Fred McDowell, Son House, they all have a lot in common, but there's also one thing they have in common is that they're all men. Did you, mm-hmm. have any, did you have any idea how groundbreaking it was that you were playing this instrument in such a public way w- when you started?
2: You know, when it would get mentioned in reviews or interviews, uh, but other than that, I didn't think about it. You know, you just like certain kinds of music. I didn't think about whether I was black or white or a female or a male. It just I just liked the sound, so I was just playing for myself with no, indi- no feeling about going into it for a line of work.
0: She's an awesome storyteller in the world of music. Mary Carrillo is an awesome storyteller in the world of sports, both of them women. Heather, tell us a little bit about you. How the hell do you end up being a college football analyst? How did this all happen? What did your mom and dad do for a living? Where did you grow up? Tell us what your journey has been like.
6: Oh, You're so nice. I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, and... I was an only child, and I loved watching the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was my thing, (laughs) Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, the Killer Bees, Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla. (laughs) And I can remember my dad taking me to the All-Star game when it was in Pittsburgh, and I can remember him taking me to see the Braves. And I'll never forget this. We were in a hotel, Mm. and I was decked out from head to toe. In Pirates stuff, Pirates (laughs) gear. I had an Andy Van Sleck jersey. I had Pirates earrings, Pirates socks. I mean, I don't even know how old I was. But I remember looking down into the lobby and seeing um, Dave Justice and Holly Berry, I think it was. And I remember my dad being like, hey, why don't you go get his autograph? And I was like, no way. He's not a Pittsburgh Pirate. I I love it. (laughs) So I've always loved sports. And my parents were big Steelers fans, but they're not in the college football like i am they they follow it now because of what i do for a living and my mom will be like hey i saw so-and-so on you didn't pick them always a mom right uh, <laughs> um but i like and the honest truth is i wasn't very good at math or science at all mm. and i i was i was good at reading and writing and mm. so i figured i would i would stick with it and Here I am. I'm one of the few people, I guess, that always knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so when I was 16, I was working for our local paper, putting in high school sports and wrestling scores Mm. and track scores and stuff. And I've just I've been fortunate that I knew what I wanted to do because I've been doing it ever since.
0: How bumpy was it? How how, you know, stink eye did you get from and maybe even still, but you just power through it. What has that journey been like?
6: You know, it hasn't been bumpy in the way that people might think. Being a minority in a male-dominated business, because I've, I say this a hundred percent honestly, I've had such great male mentors. Hmm. Throughout my career, and I was just in the press box in Indianapolis for the national championship game on Monday night, mm-hmm. and I saw Bill Ben there, and he was he was with a young um, female intern, and I pulled him aside and I said, "You know what? Thank you so much, because she's going to remember this, mm-hmm. and she's the future of our business, and I wouldn't be here without people like you who helped me along the oh, way,
1: wow.
6: and, and that's the truth because you know you are surrounded by males, so it, it takes one." to put you under their wing and say, hey, come on, you can do this, too. And I went to Indiana University. I was there when Bob Knight got fired, and it was the biggest story in sports at that time. And I'll never forget it because the day he got fired, there were helicopters flying around campus, Sports Illustrated, New York Times, you name it. They were there, and we were in the middle of it. And, you know – the people that I was surrounded by were the beat writers, mm. Terry Hutchins from the Indianapolis Star, you know, all those folks. And um, it, it was and is still a male-dominated thing. But being in the right place at the right time at IU when that happened mm. and having the support throughout my career, I mean, that all played a, a big role in it.
0: You know, in addition to writing the articles, Heather Dinich, my favorite sports caster analyst in college sports you you now have to change we all have to I'm an orthopedic surgeon I don't do I do reverse shoulder replacements they didn't that wasn't even invented 33 years ago when I started in practice you have to keep evolving so look at you you're a journalist who writes but now you got to be in front of the camera and what is amazing to me about you, and again, it's not just because you're here. The reason I sought you out is because of who you are. Frank Sinatra used to use his voice, raise it, lower it, speed up, slow down, like an instrument in the band. So I want you to listen to Mary Carillo again talking about Venus Williams and tell me what you hear in terms of how she speeds up, slows down, high, low, and what you take away from it. I'm curious what you hear, so listen. But the defending Wimbledon
3: champion will be missing from the All England club this year. Her 37-year-old sister is very much back to her favorite tournament on her best surface for the 20th time. Can Venus sparkle one more time, like the prize that bears her name? She won't have to face her toughest opponent. And when you win at Wimbledon, And raise this dish.
0: Silver is pure gold. The spacing of the voice, the raising, the lowering. I can sense you're paying attention to how you pulse and pace your voice. Tell me what that's like. Wow.
6: Well, no pressure, right? <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Maybe this goes back to my mom. Sit up straight. Slow down. Nobody can understand what you're saying. <laughs> um, look, it. the things that I have learned over the past eight years of covering the college football playoff have helped me do exactly what you're talking about, it, and it's still a work in progress. And when I started doing more TV at ESPN, we had a coach, and he helped tremendously in think about what you're going to say. Say it slowly so people can understand it. But also, maybe more than all of that, pick three things that you're going to say, own it, and sell it, because no matter what you say on TV, somebody's always going to disagree with you. Mm. And I I thought that was terrific advice because it's true. And as reporters – we have notebooks filled with information. Mm. You go on TV, you have to talk about it all in 30 seconds. So what are those most important points that you want to convey and do it quickly? And I think all of those things help answer what you're talking about.
0: Mm. Heather. Can I keep you for one more small segment? Because I am 64 years old, and the last football jersey I owned was Joe Namath. That's, he's still my favorite until Joe Burrow came along. But I need you to, number one, tell me more about the Joe Burrow story and how maybe the Stetson Bennett story may even be better. Can you hang on a second? I can pay some bills and have you come back. You bet. Okay. All right. So I'm so happy right now. All right. We're talking to the great Heather Dinich. Coming up next, I cannot wait. We'll pay some bills and we'll be back here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me?
5: (laughs) Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr.
0: Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from
5: 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
0: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited. Talking to my favorite awesome storyteller in the world of sports, my favorite expert from college football, the great Heather Dinnage Heather, the story behind Joe Burrow. For the, for the fans of this show, which is extremely popular here in Los Angeles, tell us, from your view, the story of Joe Burrow.
6: Well, I think Joe Burrow's story began in 2019 with my best memory being in the locker room for LSU after the national championship and seeing him smoke a cigar. Yeah! I, I, I it's it the truth. Like, he, that is when, that might be the best college football team that I've ever seen in my life, yeah. that 2019 LSU, from the coaches to the players to Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. and You mentioned Stetson Bennett before the break, and they're two entirely different stories in my mind because what Burrow is doing right now um, with the Bengals and having them in a playoff position is different than what Stetson Bennett just did with Georgia because Burrow is the number one pick, Heisman Trophy winner, you know, and he had the accolades. And now what he's doing with the Bengals and putting them in position for a playoff is – spectacular, not only because of what he's able to do with his exciting abilities, but what he's able to do when being asked to elevate a team and compensate for their deficiencies mm-hmm. and what he's able to do when he's in difficult situations. Um, he's, that's what makes him great. Mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett is a former walk-on. His story is the stuff movies are made out of because the national championship game against Alabama, that's pretty much it for him as far as, you know, I don't, I don't see him going on to some fabulous Hall of Fame NFL career, right? I don't, I don't think that's a reality. But it's different for Joe Burrow. But the two of them just have unbelievable stories based on what they've done for their teams.
0: Hmm. Heather, who in the world of sports storytelling inspired you growing up that you said, yep, this is who I want to be like, male or female?
6: Oh, wow. Man, there's so many. Because I was um, so involved in basketball, John Feinstein at um, at the the Washington Post, Tony Barnhart, Mike Wilbon. I mean, I was an intern in the office with Mm. those guys. But, you know, even beyond that, I think Christine Brennan was one, I mean, I bought her book, and I, and I sat next to her covering the U.S. World Figure Skating Champions when I was an intern, and I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, that is literally a different language in sports. And, and so she's won. Um, oh, there are, there are so many, but those are just some of, uh, off the top of my head.
0: Your Desmond Howard story, I got to tell you, if people ask me what's my favorite story that I've ever read in sports and how you brought together the artistry to sports when you cross-fertilize, which is what I try to do here every Saturday for 11 years. Can you imagine? I'm doing this for 11 years as a surgeon who sculpts in marble. To me, this is the, these worlds should cross-fertilize. Do you take yourself back to a a, a favorite story, a favorite use of words in your
1: career?
6: Yes. One of the stories I'm most proud of, and I'll say not necessarily a favorite story, but is the reporting, the investigative reporting that we did a couple years ago on the death of former Maryland offensive lineman Jordan McNair. Hmm. And it was a lengthy gosh, probably at least two years of covering that story. He died from heat stroke for people who don't know and ultimately led to the firing of former coach DJ Durkin at Maryland. But that one was really important to me because a kid died unnecessarily, and we were able to shine a light on why, how it happened, and be a part of something that will take steps to make sure it doesn't happen again at Maryland. Hmm. That's societal, impactful journalism. Hmm. And to me, to be able to do that within the sports realm, where so often we're just focused on who wins, who loses, who's smoking the cigar in the national championship locker room, right, that's a story that changed something. And to be a part of that is something I'll never forget.
0: Hmm. As a working mom, My mom was a nurse. My wife is the head of the blood bank at Cedars. And my daughter got to see her mom working and is, I'm sure, incredibly proud of that. What's it like to have three sons and a husband where they got Heather Dinich that they're so proud of, but she's running around a lot? What's that like?
6: (laughs) It depends on the day. It's either where are you or aren't you supposed to be somewhere else? (laughs) (laughs) You know, things are fine until you got back here. No. <laughs> um, it's it's a partnership in every sense of the word. I could not do what I do without my husband, and that is 110% the truth because he, he holds it down while I'm gone. We have three little boys, and they're the best, and they're kind of starting to realize what I do while it's also become the norm for them, especially during the pandemic, every day in 2020 on TV from the house. Shh, Mom is on TV. Mom's on feet. Everybody be quiet. And, you know, they're at the dining room table trying to do their school with our bar cart in the background. <laughs> Don't worry. It's, everything's good here. Everything's fine. Uh, but, yeah, it's um, it's a juggling act for sure. But at the end of the day, we're a super close family, and we all make it work together somehow.
0: Heather, you you brought such sunshine here to Los Angeles to be able to talk to you here today how you do it professionally, how you do it in your family life. And I can tell you, it's only one article that I read that kind of brought us together. But in it, I can appreciate your appreciation for the artistry of storytelling. It's not just getting the facts across. And that came from somewhere in your background. And we're all the beneficiary of it. So thank you so much for making time to be with us today. I really appreciate it.
6: Well, you are so unbelievably kind. Thank you so very, very much for your, your kind words and keep you in the awesome job that you do. Because I work in the toy department. You got real stuff going
0: on. Right. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you now have free orthopedic surgery for the rest of your life, you and your family, all right?
6: <laughs> Amen, because I'll need it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, Heather, God bless you. Have a great day Thanks today. you, too. bye Okay, bye. That was the great Heather Dinich. What an awesome storyteller. What an awesome command of her craft. But you can see the all shucks nature of it. But that comes from a lot of hard work. But the secret sauce is bringing art into whatever you do for a living. Bringing art into the operating room for me. Bringing art into the world of sports. Whether you're a plumber, an electrician, I don't care what you do for a living. Make it creative. And just like Bonnie Raitt says, make every night opening night. That's how you enjoy it. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. We'll do some clapper vision. And I got to tell you two places. One, the best bacon and egg sandwich in Los Angeles. My mouth is watering already. And Steve Paulette has reminded me, I got to tell you where that best gyro is. That Greek wraparound swinging, spinning sandwich. And I'll give you that. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, weekend warriors. Love it. So much fun with Heather Dinich. She is amazing. Now yeah, the college football is over. I hope she writes the screenplay for this Stetson Bennett story. That's for sure. All right, the numbers 877-710 ESPN. I shouldn't give the number away because the lines are lit up. Let's go who are we gonna go to first here. Will, who do you want first? Russ. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Yeah, doctor.
5: Um, I had my third back surgery uh, Tuesday, last Tuesday. Wow. I'm, I'm home. Yeah. Yeah, fusion, L2, L3. Previously, I had uh, L3 through L5. So, and, now, you, and so now
0: you're fused. Your entire lumbar spine is fused.
5: Almost, yeah. Okay. Um, l yeah, but um, the pain. Um, I've been taking. You know, the uh, second surgery, L three through L five, was uh, uh, really bad, and it it uh, messed up L two, L three. So I waited five years, and I got the surgery. My legs feel so much better. I don't have the numbness, tingling. I seems like I can walk better. Mm. But I've been taking a lot of oxycodone, mm. and uh, so. You know, you can only take so much of that stuff, and the pain is pretty intense. Mm. The surgeon prescribed pregnosone but I read that's not particularly great uh, for healing, Mm. right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. What about uh,
0: marijuana gummy bears? Have you tried that? uh, I have not, no. We use it in the cancer patients. It's a different um, mechanism. It has different receptors in the brain for pain. And uh, you have seen enough dilaudid, Demerol, opiates, narcotics, that your body has a tolerance to it, right? You get stung. Right. People, right. Who, people who raise bees for a living, they get stung over and over. Eventually, they get a tolerance. They get stung by a bee. It don't bother them anymore. You get a tolerance right. to anything in life. I remember my... My mother was complaining that my father would not listen to her. So she said, that's it. And he, he was a veteran from World War II, so he could go to the VA. She said, you got to go to the VA and go to the audiologist, the hearing expert, because something's the matter with your hearing. So my father, Abraham Clapper, God bless him, he went to the audiologist at the VA in Florida. They did all these tests, and they finally, my mother was so excited, she's finally going to figure out he needs a hearing aid or a hearing surgery or whatever. And the audiologist says, Mr. Clapper, I got good news and bad news.
1: And he goes, what's the good
0: news? He goes, there's nothing the matter with your hearing. You're fine. Oh, that's fantastic. He says, except for one decibel range. That's it. You have absolutely no hearing in one decibel range. He goes, really? He says, yes. And this is the decibel range of your wife's voice. Thank you very much. So my father built up a tolerance to my mother's voice. Guess what? You have built up a tolerance to opiates and narcotics. So how great would it be for you to approach the problem with a whole different mechanism? A different bee is going to be flying in the room now that you're sensitive to all the bees. So try it. Marijuana gummy bears. You know, I used to be able to get into trouble for saying something like that. Now, if God bless it. It's a new age. I can tell you something like that and you should try it. All right.
5: You think
0: I should not do the zone? Correct, correct. Try okay. the marijuana, gummy right. bears. You know, once the skin is healed up nicely, you know how much I love the swimming pool, walking in the water, uh, maybe some having somebody do a gentle massage. Don't be holistic. Stay away from drugs. You've had enough surgery. I mean, think about it. Your damn spine is fused from L1 to almost your pelvis. How could you not have yeah. pain? It's the reason. So when you actually numify it, That's unnatural. You're supposed to have some pain, but get strong. Let the water take over for you. That would be the greatest thing that you can do. But if you're miserable, miserable. Try a different approach. Marijuana, gummy bears, and also you should check out uh, an acupuncturist. You should just try to approach those sensitive nerve endings from a different approach. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Get away from the opiates and narcotics. They're terrible.
5: Yeah, it can't hurt. Okay, I will do that. All right,
0: young man. You. God bless you, and you are a total stranger. Find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. Always. All right, young man. God bless you, Thanks. Russ. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right, have a good day. All right, Warriors. We're in our last segment, so I got to catch up. few things to catch up. All right. Who would open a donut shop that has the greatest donuts I've ever had? that has the greatest brand muffins that I've ever had and decide that they're going to also make a breakfast sandwich, but not just any breakfast sandwich. Put it on a croissant so it's buttery and flaky and then the secret weapon, my mouth, I can't even speak. The, The secret weapon is to put the hottest jalapenos you've ever had melted in the cheese with the ham and the egg in the croissant. That's right. That's what I had yesterday. It was unbelievable. I didn't even need to eat lunch or dinner. That's how filling it was. It's at Good Time Donuts in Ventura. Today's show is all about awesome women. Awesome women storytellers. Well, when you go there, ask for Sue. Tell him. Tell her. You're a weekend warrior. That's what you're doing there. And as far as a couple of shows ago, Steve Pellett is now pretty much yelling at me. You forgot to say who was the Greek, the greatest Greek, because the topic was about spinning your food. And we talked about a gyro where they slice this beautifully cooking meat, put it into that special Greek bread with yogurt sauce, and this particular place that I love puts a French fry with the tomatoes and the, inside the jar. It's like, oh, what a genius. Talk about a secret weapon with the jalapeno. How about putting French fries in your gyro? Covered in that yogurt sauce. And the bread is fresh-baked pita-type bread, but it's Greek pita. It's not like Mediterranean, Lebanese, or Israeli. Mm, is it good? Nick the Greek also in Ventura what a coincidence these two food places in Ventura Nick the Greek oh my god tell him. tell him you're a weekend warrior as well and my homemade ice cream project the recipe called for heavy cream milk I used Ghirardelli chocolate syrup not the usual I didn't put sugar in because I figured the syrup was enough. But here's the two secret weapons I put in to make the greatest homemade ice cream, which you can do as well. I put a pinch of sea salt because that brings out the flavor in the chocolate and in the milk. And then I cracked an egg. I put an egg, and that is the secret recipe. When you make homemade ice cream, it becomes like frozen custard. It's the greatest ice cream I've ever had in my life. Is the one I just made last night. I can't wait to go home after the show to eat the rest of it. Let's talk also about next week. My guest next week, I'm so excited. Just like talking to Heather Dinich, a craftsperson, a craftsman, a craftswoman with words. That's what Heather is. But in the written word, here in Los Angeles for decades as I read the L.A. Times sports section, there's one guy's name that just amazes me. He goes deeper than the words, deeper than the sentences, and he's also doing it about a topic that I don't see anybody else stepping up for. He truly has a niche because he talks about high school sports. Yeah, that's actually where you decide... What are you going to do with your life? It's the most important four years. College is great, but it's high school where you say, yup, that's what I want to do. So all of these great Los Angeles, Southern California athletes that become NBA players and NFL players and Major League Baseball players, he knows them in high school already and writes about them like nobody else. It's, it's Eric Sondheim. He writes for the LA Times, and he's going to be my guest next Saturday. And it made me think already, as I put together the show in my mind, of how much that journey in high school shapes us. So I started to think about it. All right, in the world of art, the world of sports, where do we see where a high school moment changes you forever well in the world of art the world of music he was a sophomore in high school growing up in New Jersey actually not New Jersey he was in New York sitting in his living room when the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan and Billy Joel says that was the moment that his life changed when he saw John Lennon, not really caring that he was on the Ted Sullivan show, that attitude of his that came through the TV, but also the dynamic music that the Beatles were making. And you got to hear Billy Joel pretty much say that's all he ever wanted to do was what he saw that night as a high school student. And what about in the world of sports? Well, we're blessed as Laker fans to actually know how important high school was in shaping yours and my favorite Laker. And you'll hear his voice every Saturday because he does the promo for this show, The Weekend Warrior. It's Kobe Bryant. Do you even know what high school anybody else went to? But you know Kobe Bryant went to Lower Marion High School. I don't even know where Lower Marion is. I wonder if there's an Upper Marion. Just like Toluca Lake. There is no lake, but they call it Toluca Lake. West Covina. Is there an East Covina? I love when they do this. Is there an East Virginia? We know West Virginia. Anyway, we know about Lower Marion High School. But I'm going to play you a soundbite. <laughs> one of the funniest things you're going to ever hear. And that is the point guard at Lower Marion High School when Kobe Bryant was a high school student was a little Jewish guy named Evan Monsky. And one day, Kobe Bryant returns as a Laker during a, a game to play the Philadelphia 76ers. And has a press conference, like he always does, after the game. So all the reporters are lined up. Guess who's there after 20 years? Wearing his Lower Merion basketball smelly sweatshirt from 20 years ago. The little Jewish point guard who passed the ball for four years to Kobe Bryant. Evan Monsky. He sits there in the front row with his Lower Merion high school sweatshirt on they're taking questions in the press room and you'll hear Evan Monsky say Kobe you played with a lot of great point guards in your lifetime Derek Fisher Steve Nash but who was your favorite who was the best point guard that you ever played with and God bless Kobe Bryant in front of all those reporters you know what he says Oh, it's obvious who the best point guard I ever played with in my career. It was Evan Monsky. (laughs) And this guy just, you just can feel it. You can hear it. But it's that generosity of Kobe Bryant. It's that element that made us love him so much. High school. Yeah, it really does matter. And next week, that's what we'll get into with Eric Sondheim. I can't wait. You'll hear the Evan Monsky story. You'll hear the Billy Joel story of what the Beatles in high school meant to him, changed his life. Until then, be good. Do something nice for a total stranger. That's how you'll be thanking me. And until then, I leave you with Volare, which truly means I'm singing and I'm flying. Until next Saturday, I'll see you on the radio.